The Daily Tap is live for Monday. It is February 27th. We're going to talk about how the Bucks showed their scary good potential this weekend. We're also going to talk about Marquette completing step one, winning the Big East, talk about that game a little bit, as well as what's ahead for them. And then lastly, we'll do the... I guess it's now a regular, it's an occurring uh, conversation about why San Diego is in a small market and the misinformation that will be spewed. And if anyone uses San Diego as a small market, they are an idiot. Um, yeah, we're going to go, we're going to go that hard. We're going to go that hard Monday morning, straight out the box. It's raining. It's nasty here in Milwaukee and the suburban areas. Stay safe too. I guess they're worried about flooding. Hopefully none of you have to deal with that. Uh, but before we get going, just a reminder, social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok, both TikTok and Twitter. I am like two away from 800 on Twitter uh, and 700 on TikTok. So if you are on either of those, you don't follow because you're like, I hear you enough, dude. I don't need you yelling in my face about game reviews. I get it. But at the same time, help a brother out and get him to the big round numbers. We'd appreciate it. Also, make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast. I assume you are. But if you're not, subscribe, uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast. If uh, you like what you hear, make sure you're sharing it with your friends. Make sure you're sharing it with your family. Make sure you're sharing it with anybody, a co-worker uh, who likes sports. I think that all of that applies. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. Okay, let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. So we went into the weekend uh, when we did the podcast on Friday. I assumed Giannis Antetokounmpo wasn't going to play. I was like, all right, well, one of Giannis, he's doubtful, but it's probably like we're not going to see him. The Bucks go one and one this weekend. I think, I think I'll take that as a win. Like I think that's okay. You're playing Miami and Phoenix, two playoff teams, uh, without your star player. Like that's that's definitely going to be a challenge. Then that sicko actually played on Friday. He was like, all right, I'm going to play. Like The rest is fine. And so we, here we are wondering if he was going to play for the next month, and he's playing against Miami. It's crazy. And then he gets hurt right away with a uh, quad contusion. Uh, who knows if he'll play Tuesday night against Brooklyn. I actually assume, I'm assuming he's not. But, again, this is I'm falling into the same trap as I did last week. But I, I really don't. I think he's going to play probably Wednesday. I think it makes sense. Like, why travel out to Brooklyn? Just not just one game, right? You might as well, and it's a back-to-back. Might as well just wait till the Orlando game and play then. But that, that's her nor there. We'll we'll see. But so yeah, funny enough, you you lose Giannis, and so you're back to where we started. So I was back to this one-on-one mindset, and they absolutely dominated the Miami Heat really from the get-go. They could not miss. Uh, they were red hot. Uh, the Bucks just never really seemed to let up with against Miami, which is really impressive, right? The Bucs have had a couple games this year. Indiana uh, comes to mind where they nearly blew. I forget how much, how many points they were up by. It was like 27. They're like similar to Dallas uh, yesterday as well. Uh, they had a huge lead against Indiana. Indiana crept back into that game. Uh, the Chicago one that they blew was really bad. The Toronto one that they nearly blew that they had win in overtime. Uh, so they've had a couple games where they've gotten out to big leads and they haven't been able to close. That was not the case on Friday night. Friday night was all bucks all the time. Uh, absolutely dummy in the Miami Heat who are still on vacation. Still thinking about their time at Live or Space Nightclubs out of Miami and, and doing that shit versus actually you know playing basketball. Uh, it was just a masterclass from Milwaukee. And then you had Phoenix the next day, and you're like hoping to keep it rolling. It really looked 
like the Bucs were going to play another complete game. Uh, they, they had f- a good first quarter. I tweeted out at that time to having a Kaga on Twitter where I was like, okay, they played five straight quarters of looking like complete awesome basketball. And then they started to kind of fade a little bit in the second and third quarter. Th- second quarter, they held their water. Third quarter, the Heat, or uh, the Sun, excuse me, a different uh, hot team, uh, turned it on. And Devin Booker was really good in that third quarter. And it really looked like the game was headed towards the Suns' favor. The Suns were up eight with about four minutes left to go. Mitch, uh, my podcast partner, was like, oh, I'm standing and, you know, up in, up in my seat. And I was like, ah, it's a little too early to stand. And sure enough, Jay Crowder hits two shots. And then here comes the Bucks, and the Bucks find a way to win the, that game, 104 to 104 to 101, and they have now won 14 straight games. If they beat Brooklyn on Tuesday, which my guy Shafty pointed out, they would go undefeated for the month of February, which is a great accomplishment, which is an unreal, unreal thing. Now, granted, you get a week off in there, but still, if you have a undefeated month. In basketball, that is an accomplishment with it within its own. Like now, I was like, oh well, if they you know they lose, they lose the winning streak's over, and that's a bummer. But it's like now I kind of need them to win on Tuesday. Like now it's like, all right, let's at least get an undefeated month, and then we can talk about maybe when the next Bucks loss is coming. But it's just been an incredible run. I think it's what we talked about for a long time this year where we were kind of amping ourselves up where we knew the Bucks had this in them. We knew that at some point they were going to make us all feel good. Remember, there was a lot of hand-wringing, a lot of frustration with this Bucks team in late November, early December. Late, I would say right around Christmas was kind of the low point of the year, but the Bucks have, have really turned it around and now they're showing off just how good they can be and how scary this team is right now. And it's hard to argue that the Bucs aren't the best team in the NBA at this very moment. You look at their roster, and this is even without Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, we obviously know Giannis. Like, we don't need to do five minutes on why Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the NBA. I think we all know this. I think what this weekend showed, it's like, man, once Giannis is back, holy shit right? Like that's kind of how I think I felt. I hope you felt that same way because I looked at it and I was like, all right, you get Giannis back into the, into these lineups and it's going to be another level. It's going to be a level that really, I think hasn't been seen in this year's NBA and it should terrify the rest of the league. The rest of the league should be quaking in their boots right now of what the Bucks could be as a basketball team. And you look at Drew Holiday, and Drew Holiday, another fantastic weekend. He had 33 against the Suns. He had 24 against the Heat. Both games were great for Holiday. Holiday was part of the catalyst of bringing the Bucks back. Actually, I would say, too, with, with Holiday's performance, which he had that great three, the step back against Josh Okoji. Like, I, I, Holiday's real importance in the game against Phoenix was he was the only one scoring baskets in the third quarter uh, as everything was sort of a malaise for Milwaukee offensively. Holiday was still finding a way to get to the basket, finding ways to score or initiate offense with his passing. Uh, You just have to appreciate the year Drew Holiday has had. Uh, Bill Simmons uh, yesterday tweeted out that it's going to be hard to leave Holiday off all NBA teams, and I absolutely agree. Milwaukee Bucks are, if they finish with the best record, they're going to have one of the best records in the NBA. It's them, Denver, and Boston, and I feel like you should have more than one guy on that all-NBA consideration, and Drew Holiday has been one of the best guards in the NBA, and if, if you don't 
think that you haven't been paying attention. And he is really the glue that has held this entire season together. And he deserves a ton of credit for that. And I really do think it should be a level up. I, I know most improved player goes to usually a young guy. Usually it's like the ascent. Like it's it's kind of like the your next award. Like it really should be called most improved. It should be called like your next. Uh, and Shai Gildas Alexander is probably going to win this award because he's had an incredible year. But you could make a real case that Drew, Drew Holiday should be most improved with the way that he's been able to score the basketball, the way he defends. As Brooke Lopez said yesterday, he's one of the best two-way players in the NBA, if not the best two-way player in the NBA. So like the Bucs have a lot of potential award nominees, whether it's Brooke Lopez for Defensive Player of the Year. You could also add Drew for Defensive Player of the Year as well, uh, not only with him and Lopez, Bobby Portis for Sixth Man of the Year. Uh, as well as Giannis Antetokounmpo for MVP. It's just incredible. and that, But that's how a, a awesome team should be. Every Everybody should be up for awards, right? Like think about a movie, right? Everything All at Once is a really popular Oscar favorite. Uh, I've not seen it, um, so I can't give you a review on it. But I, I, it's you know it has a ton of award nominees, and that's a good movie. has a bunch of Oscar noms. So similar to a good basketball team, they should have a bunch of guys that are up for awards like that that makes a ton of sense and so holiday deserves a lot of credit for what he's done and that plays into how good the bucks can be because holiday's been awesome as a number two now just think if he has middleton at full strength he has Giannis at full strength it makes holiday even better and you can look to drew holiday if Giannis is struggling if middleton's struggling holiday can be that guy that picks up the offense and i don't know if you could say that in 2021 i'm not i'm not sure and then you had Jay Crowder who fit in seamlessly, right? Jay Crowder already belongs. It, it didn't take long for Jay Crowder to find his rhythm with the Bucs. He played really well in the game against Miami. Then he hits the big shots against Phoenix. You know, a game that he told his team, I really wanted to win this game. Uh, obviously, there's some animosity with him and Phoenix. And Crowder hits two big shots late uh, to pull the Bucs back into this thing. And he already works. It already makes sense. He's already playing clutch, crush time, clutch time minutes. The Bucs got him for free. I mean, just an absolute thievery by John Horst. And Jay just makes sense. And I look forward to seeing him with Giannis. I think it's not going to be a problem. I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think Crowder Giannis is going to work out really well. I think it solves your Bobby Portis problem, which we've talked about in the past about Bobby's defense. He's back, which he looked really good in that game against Miami. Uh, kind of came out with vengeance. Uh, got a little more minutes, obviously, because of the onset of Kumbo industry injury. But he had 18 and 14 uh, as I think it was who we bound to say. He's like a walking double-double. And it's true. And he's really good at rebounding basketball. He's really good at scoring. The defense is still left to be desired. But if you can still get that offensive output off your bench, and then you have Jay Crowder coming in for those big moments, then that's great. And if Bobby wants to be out there for those big moments, he has to work better on defense. And that should be motivation. And iron sharpens iron. I'm, I have no problem with that. I have no problem with you know finding you know that sort of thing with the Milwaukee Bucks. A couple more things to wrap up on this segment. Uh, the last two games for Milwaukee Bucks, 99 points and 101 points uh, defensively. The Bucks are absolutely relentless on defense again. Like we saw this at the beginning of the year, it kind of faded because of injuries, because of a whole hodgepodge of things. But the Bucks are absolute dogs on defense right now. Uh, whether it's Holiday, whether it's Crowder, Giannis when he gets back, but he wasn't playing, so we'll let's take him out. Chris Middleton, you know, is an underrated defender. I think people don't give him the credit defensively for what he can do. I think Middleton kind of is always just always a good scorer. He's this, he's that, but he's actually a pretty solid perimeter defender. You can hide guys like 
Bobby Portis, Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton, who didn't play as much, is just coming back from a calf injury. Joe Ingles too, right? Uh, but Joe Ingles was getting into CP3 the entire game. Uh, someone was mentioning they were at the game and saw how much Joe Ingles was bothering Chris Paul, and Chris Paul was not happy about it. And that's exactly what you what you want Joe Ingles out there to do. You want him to shit start. And you also have a team that A, prides himself in defense, but also will not let you get an easy bucket, right? You Whether it's Portis, whether it's Crowder, whether it's Giannis, like there are no, Brooke Lopez, uh, who I didn't even mention at the start, which should be mentioned as a potential defensive player of the year candidate. Like they are not gonna let you get anything. It is nothing easy city right now for the Bucks defensively. And that's that's just something you you marvel at, right? I, I the NBA is so much about scoring, so much about you know high pay, and I'm gonna sound like an old man here, but it it's there's something refreshing about what the Bucks can do defensively, and they've made them gutter wars the last two two games for the opposing offenses. I mean, I know Miami, part of it was they were getting blown out, but the Bucs never let them back in. And I think that speaks to this defense leveling up, right? We talked about those games where they let teams back in and that, that didn't happen in that Miami game. And part of that is due to their defense. The other thing too about the Bucs is you just tell the demeanor is a little different with this team. I realize it's two games, right? I realize they haven't played without Giannis. But they've already won a championship. Some of those guys have already won a championship. Some of them haven't, right? Whether it's Jay Crowder, Wes Matthews has been out with an injury. Uh, you have a few that have not got that championship ring. But the ones that have, they just have the demeanor. They have that championship mentality right now. And it even looks different than 2022. Like 2022, I think, was a tough year because you're trying to defend the title and you have a target on your back the entire game. And I, I still think the Bucks have a target on their back. I, I think yet yeah, with... Having Giannis Antetokounmpo, best player in the league. I think there are guys who want to have good games against Giannis. I think that matters to the opposing teams. But still, I think these this Bucks team is looking at it like they're better than everybody else. And they know they're better than everybody else. And it's not to say that I thought 2022 they didn't think that. But they didn't have the kind of pieces in place that just brought it all together. And, you know, Crowder's talked about as like a P.J. Tucker piece. And I, I think he is. I think that's accurate. But I also think Crowder can do a little more than PJ. But I, I and I think having that hungry, you know, vet that hasn't been there before is really an added bonus, and it adds to the energy and sort of the connective tissue of this locker room. And Jay Crowder talked about how professional and how just everybody has one goal in mind, and that's a championship. And it's it couldn't be more true. And I just am very excited to watch the Bucks the rest of the year. I hope Giannis is back tomorrow. Uh, we'll we'll have to see. But what I know is that the Bucs are the best team in basketball. And it, we're getting to the point now where if you don't at least get to the finals, it's a disappointment. And while I think that was probably the case all season, and that's kind of the expectation you've put on the Bucs, I think we've leveled up. Like it's kind of the Fat Joe meme, which I've used before, but it's like the price yesterday is not the price today. And that's kind of how I feel about the Bucs and their tournament and their title chances because it, it seems to me like there is no team that can fuck with the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's do some Golden Kegs before we move on to more cut. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with Golden Kegs, we actually did a full segment on Golden Kegs uh, last Friday, which you can go back and listen to, where we break down like the best and the worst. Uh, we give ratings from three to one for just one game. But since we have two games, since we have a full weekend, we'll do five to one, uh, which is usually what we do for the Green Bay Packers. So five kegs. 
Drew, Drew Holiday, of course. Uh, it was an incredible weekend for Drew. Uh, just continuing to further his point about how good he is as a point guard and how how awesome his season has been for the Bucks and a main reason why the Bucks are have the second best record in the Eastern Conference. Brook Lopez, number four, or for four kegs. I, I thought Brook had a really good weekend as well, uh, scoring a lot. Uh, he had, I think he had 22, 22 in the game against Phoenix. I think he might have had 18 in that game against uh, Miami. Apologize, I don't have that on me. But still, very productive uh, offensively for Brook Lopez. He's really been playing well. I think he's averaging 24 in the last three games, uh, really sort of showing himself you know, as an offensive threat. It's not just his defense. And Brooks sort of finding his rhythm, finding where where it makes sense. He had the big bucket at the end on a beautiful pick and roll with Chris Middleton, where uh, you know basically they drew everybody to Middleton off a screen from Lopez. Lopez then was available down at the at the rim. He got hammered. He should it should have been a foul. Should have been an and one, but a, a huge bucket for the Bucks to put them ahead for good and win this basketball game against Phoenix. But yeah, credit to Boat on that one. That was a beautiful, beautiful play. Uh, three kegs, Bobby Portis. You know, Bobby had a really good game against Miami. And then the game against uh, the Suns, he only played 21 minutes. And I think you kind of saw what might be a playoff preview for Bobby Portis. And he just is not a guy who I think you can have out there for 30 to 40 minutes a game. He just, he doesn't have the defense that you need you know, possession by possession. And it was kind of on, on display against Phoenix, but really good game against Miami. Um, you know, there'll be other, there'll be matchups that make sense for him. And it seems like the Miami matchup is a good one. They don't really have a guy that can guard Portis out on the perimeter uh, in terms of his three point ability, in terms of his sort of ability to take it off the dribble. There's no one really on the heat that have that. You just have Bam Adebayo and he's more worried about Giannis on a regular, regular game. Uh, through two kegs goes to Javon Carter. Uh, rough, rough uh, weekend for Javon. A lot of shooting, probably too much shooting. He was four of eighteen against the Heat, which is absurd. Like that's way too much, Javon Carter. I understand, like it was a blowout and everything else, but like we don't need that shit from Javon Carter. Uh, he also struggled in the game offensively uh, against the Suns. I'll give him some credit because he was hounding Chris Paul early. Uh, so he at least deserves a little bit of credit for that. I think he was defensively against Miami also pretty good. Uh, so we'll at least give some credit to that defense. That's why it's not a one keg. But yeah, uh, not the best weekend shooting-wise for Carter. One keg, Giannis' injuries, right? Like, let's just get Giannis healthy. Uh, I could see a situation where they're like, all right, we're going to let him rest for Tuesday and Wednesday. Just like everything heal up, get yourself ready for Philly. Philly will be a fight. You know Giannis is going to want to play in that game. It's the first game since the latter incident uh, and everything else. So that that to me is one that you will see Antetokounmpo out there for. I feel pretty good about that. I'd be surprised if Giannis doesn't get out for that one. But it, you could make a case that it makes some sense to sit him against Brooklyn, sit him against Orlando. Uh, I think the Bucks can handle Brooklyn without Giannis, I think Orlando, while spunky, I think they also can handle him without Giannis. I, I was seeing some of the conversation about where the Bucks would be if it was without Giannis, like this team in general. I think you're probably looking at like a four seed, five seed, right? Uh, I, this is good. It's a very good team, even without Giannis. And it furthers the potential conversation about how good this team can be with him. So we'll see if Giannis Adekumbo is out there on Tuesday night uh, against the New Look Nets or if it's going to be a couple days before Antetokounmpo takes the court again for the Bucs. 
staying in the Pfizer Forum court, uh, just a different color with Marquette. Uh, Marquette completes step one of their larger goals, uh, beating DePaul and clinching a share of the Big East title. A true great accomplishment for the Golden Eagles, uh, well-deserving. The game itself was a little hairy, right? Marquette had led at one point 49 to 28 at halftime. They were up by 21 points. It seemed like it was going to be a coronation, uh, but as college basketball, which was off the rails this weekend, uh, DePaul did start to inch back. Uh, DePaul actually outscored Marquette in the second quarter, second half. It was 56 to 41, which 56 points is, is really alarming, but I will I will forgive it. I, I can understand, I guess, that these guys were ready to celebrate and they were already thinking about the celebration versus just winning the basketball game. Because uh, yeah, they gave up 30 points in that quarter four of if you split it up by quarters. So the last 10 minutes, they gave up 30 points. Not, not great. Not great for the Golden Eagles. But again, I, I, I can be a little bit forgiving as the game seemingly was on ice. It seemed like the champagne was getting ready to be rolled out. But the big thing that stood out to me in this game, if I'm taking one thing away from this besides the bad defense, it's the fact that Cam Jones, Tyler Kolek, Osoy Gidara did not seem tight at the start of the game. I think we saw that with Xavier. We saw that with Butler even. And then you're like, well, Charlotte Butler didn't matter. Well, it was National Marquette Day. It was the first time they really had a full, full crowd. And they seemed like they were a little nervous. And then Xavier, same thing, right? They seemed a little nervous. This game, they had no nerves. And maybe it's because DePaul is not a good defensive team. Maybe it's because they just finally are comfortable. But they really looked good in that game. And that that deserves some credit. That deserves a at least a perking of your ears, if you will, just considering how many intense games they're going to be in here in the next few weeks. I think that at least makes me feel pretty good about where where Marquette can be and that the moment isn't going to get too big for them and not going to swallow them up. Uh, Tyler Kolick had 18 points, or 22, excuse me. I, I said that in the review too. <laughs> 22 points, 14 assists. Uh, Cam Jones also had 22 points. He had seven threes. A lot of his scoring was done in the first half, uh, but I at one point thought Cam might get 50. Uh, also Aguidara with 12 points uh, and was Pretty solid, solid day for him as well. Uh, got himself in a little bit of foul trouble, so he saw more more Ben Gold, uh, which is okay. Uh, ben Gold also very productive off the bench, nine points. A uh, little too much shooting threes, but that's okay. Like Ben Gold's starting to come on strong. I think it's a huge sort of part of what Marquette could be in the postseason is the fact that you have really four guys, four three guys off your bench that you feel very comfortable with with Ben Gold, Sean Jones, and Chase Ross. Like the, all three you can rely on in all three are freshmen, which is pretty, pretty unique. And part of why I think, you know, it's, this is year one of many years to come for, for the Marquette Golden Eagles. But yeah, it's, it's been a, a dream season. I actually had a dream last night that Marquette was a one seed. Uh, I had some wild dreams, uh, which, but my second dream of the night, uh, as I was woken up by my dog after the first one, uh, was that Marquette was a one seed, uh, which, I don't know how that happens. Um, I'd have to figure. I'd have to run the numbers. Maybe it can't happen, but I, I, it's. I don't usually have sports streams, uh, so that's that was really a weird thing. But it was like 
you you saw Marquette on the one line, and I just the only thing I can kind of remember from the dream is that I was like, oh my god, like I, I, like you're all, you were all, I think we were all stunned. Like I think I was watching with some people. I I can't really remember that much. You know, dreams you only get the highlight reel, right? But I was like, oh, they're a one seed, and you're like, holy shit, like oh my god, like this this is crazy. Uh, but that dream could be turned to. Uh, null and void if they lose to Butler on Tuesday night. And that's part of stuff too. Marquette can win the outright Big East title, uh, which is a great accomplishment. Like you should not, I think there maybe is a history lesson there and maybe something if they actually do get it done to let the people know. But outright titles are not that common in college basketball because you have so many games, the tiebreakers, the way things work. It's not like the NFL. It's not even like baseball, right? It's like t- these tiebreakers are unique in the self. So if you have the same amount of losses, even if you beat that team twice, you're still not the outright title winner, I believe. I believe you still, it's still a share. And someone can check me on that if that's the case. But it, the, so Marquette can still, you know, have a share of the title with Xavier and I think Providence too, uh, if they were to lose their last two games. And now it's Butler and St. John's. Butler game scares me to the high heavens. I, I will be honest with you. I know Butler's not playing great basketball. That doesn't matter in this one. This is Butler Super Bowl. Butler is not going to make the tournament. Butler's not going to even make the NIT. They might not make the CBI. They're they're done after their Big East uh, tournament season. So it's their last home game. They have some seniors. This is senior night for them. Uh, they had the weekend off, so they've had a lot of time to prepare for Marquette. Uh, you know, and, and that's the thing. So will, you know, Manny Bates senior, Eric Hunter senior. Now Manny Bates, I did not play in that game against Butler. We'll see if he can go. They have Ali Ali who plays some minutes uh, at Jalen Thomas. So they like, they have seniors, right? So this game is going to matter. You can't discount that. Uh, Butler's lost one, three of their last five. Uh, and they've beat teams like Xavier and Villanova at home this year. So it, it's, it's possible, right? It's possible for Marquette to go in there and say, all right, all we got to do is take care of business and go through the motions. Uh, and you just hope they don't, right? Maybe the the lack of celebrating after it, which a buddy of mine, Doe's shout out, was like, oh, I can't believe they're not celebrating. I can't believe there's no charge in the court. I can't believe they're cutting down the nets. And basically Marquette was like, we have bigger goals in mind. We don't want to celebrate. Like we, we know that this is just the beginning. And I think what shakas maybe conveyed is like hey we'll celebrate after we'll celebrate after the st john's game like that's when we'll celebrate because if we can win both those games we put ourselves in incredible position with the ncaa tournament marquette's a three seed right now but i i do think they can make a case for that two seed with the amount of teams kind of falling off i I love to compare, maybe we'll do this when we do the bracketology segment later this week, but I'd love to compare the resumes of Kansas State and Marquette because Kansas State being a two seed makes no sense to me. I just don't see it. Um, I look at Marquette's resume and I just think it's better, Uh, but that's here nor there at this point. And, but yeah, I I think really right now it's all business, it's workman mentality. Now you can say some of that's cheesy. Some of that is overplayed, but I, I think it makes sense because it's very easy of Marquette celebrating and going nuts after the the Paul game to then just have the hangover against Butler and lose that game and really hurt your resume. 
Like, I, I don't, not one loss is not going to make Marquette a three or a four, but I believe that'd be a quad four loss for Marquette. I, Butler is that bad, where I think they are in the quad four, and that's just something you, you don't want to have this late in the season. And I think beating up on Butler, beating up on St. John's, you don't have to win by 30. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be dominating performance. It's not like you're worried about the BCS, but just get it done. You are... I wouldn't even say house money. I don't even want to put that thing out there because it, it you still have to win these games because they matter for the tournament. And that's, I think, what Shaka is preaching here and why I think there wasn't any celebrating uh, from the Golden Eagles. I, I think it's not even just businessman. It's just like you have to keep winning uh, to accomplish it in the tournament. And then after the, season, the regular season is done, you can't have that moment of reflection. You can't have that celebration and you can't enjoy it a little bit before heading out to New York to play maybe Butler again, maybe St. John's again next week, which I, I think has its own challenges. And Marquette has struggled at Madison Square Garden, and that's a topic for next week. But yeah, it's it, it's very exciting uh, just to go from being predicted ninth, having Tyler Colex say fuck him when people thought Marquette couldn't get there, to now at the Big East title. Uh, is just a great accomplishment. And being the one seed for the tournament, uh, something Marquette has never done. I think Marquette will move pretty significantly up the rankings this week. I think you'll probably be at eight or seven. I saw 1A people having them at five. I think that would be kind of absurd. But, I mean, that that's where where we are in this season. It's been an absolute dream of a year. I've said that a few times, but it, it's bears repeating. And another really great one for the Golden Eagles, uh, taking care of business against the DePaul Blue Demons. Last thing before we wrap up today's show, uh, I've done this segment before, so I'm not I'm not gonna lie. This is a little bit of a recycled segment, but it needs to be said again because it's very important and it matters. Um, and I just want to make sure that the baseball fans, specifically the Brewer fans, but other teams who cheer for other people who cheer for small market teams, understand that San Diego is not a small market team. They signed Manny Machado to an extension. It's a big deal. My boys at Divine Sports Gospel were going nuts. Follow them. Uh, they are as big of Padres fans as you're going to get. Uh, they, they were relentlessly tweeting about spring training, which is funny. <laughs> like, I just was like, wow. Like, I understand. Like, you got to build a brand and everything like that. But I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't get gassed up for spring training. I had one, like, tweet about Roddy hitting a home run. But it, and, and I did. I was listening to Euchre. I turned on Euchre Saturday. And the first thing I heard was Garrett Mitchell in home run. So I was like, well, has to at least bring the vibes up a little bit. But anyways, not to deter from this. San Diego signs Machado. Uh, you're going to hear all the time, well, they're the small market team that's doing it the right way. That'll be a thing that some people will say. I will tell you right now, and I kind of hate using this word, but it's true. That is a 100% misinformation. That It's just you're misinforming your guest. You're misinforming your audience. You're doing a disservice if you are talking about this type of thing. Like that's that's just ridiculous, all right? That That is untrue and it deserves to be talked about. Here's what it really is. Here's what it comes down to with San Diego and small markets. San Diego is a small market from a media perspective. They do not have a large media market because Los Angeles is very big. So Los Angeles sucks up 
what their media market could be. Uh, part of Los Angeles, you could argue, is San Diego. Uh, San Diego doesn't have that wide of a reach, too, because you know Mexico's right there, Arizona's right there, uh, so there isn't this large swath of a of a media market for the for San Diego. But what San Diego is is they are a huge city. They're one of the fastest growing cities in the United States. They are the eighth biggest city in the United States. So they have a ton of people that can support the Padres, whether it's merchandise, whether it's ticket sales. And, and, and that's huge. That's huge for your bottom line. That's, that's how Peter Salar, the owner of, of the Padres, can do what he's doing in terms of investing in this team. Then you have the fact that you, you your tickets get sold in April and, and May. You don't have to worry about it being cold in San Diego. No no other small market team can say that, right? Think about the small market team. Think about Baltimore. Think about even Milwaukee and the Dome. Like the Dome is nice to have, but aesthetically, it is not the most pleasing thing to watch. You want to watch the Brewers with the roof open, with the sun setting. It's nice and warm. You're enjoying a cold Miller light and a brat. Like that's how you want to watch Brewers baseball. It's not with the roof closed at American Family Field. It just isn't. But for San Diego and Petco Park, you get that all the time. Yeah, it might be a little cold at night because of the marine layer, but still you're, you're wearing like a rowback hoodie and some jeans and, and some shoes and that's it. But you're still enjoying beer. I don't know if they're Bud or Miller there, but you're still enjoying a beer and having a good time and you're not worried about being freezing or you're not worried about when you go outside, it's gonna be snow on the ground. You don't have that fear. That doesn't exist. 99.9% .9 of the time, San Diego has lovely weather. And that is a huge proponent in sort of driving ticket sales. And so because they've built this team, I think like 60% of the San Diego games are already sold out. It's, it's going to be a madhouse in there. It's going to be one of the best environments in all of baseball this season. So to call San Diego a small market is just not true. They're a small media market. You can say that. But they have the eighth biggest population. They're going to sell out every game because of the weather as well as the team. It's it's they're correlated, right? If the Brewers had that good of a team, would they sell out every game? I don't I don't think so. I, I really don't because I, I think the weather matters. I think I just I, I do. I, I think it's also a different mindset. I think there's a little more of a casual feel. Like okay, I can go to a baseball game, get you know have a few beers Tuesday night, and then back, it's back at it Wednesday. I don't know if that mentality is there in Milwaukee. Like, I, I really don't. And someone can check me if I'm not. The other thing, though, in April and May, they don't have to worry about a great NBA team. San Diego doesn't have any other sports. They might get an MLS team. They're rumored to get that. But they, they don't have any other sports. They are the only show in town, meaning that people spend their money there. They don't need to worry about, oh, in April or May, would I rather go see the Bucks in a playoff game or an early season Brewer game? You're going to take the Bucks playoff game every fucking day of the week, right? You're not going to want to go to the Brewer game. You're going to go to the Bucks game. Like that's that's what you want to do. You want to go to watch the Bucks. You do not want to, you know, go to a random ass Brewer game in April or or May. San Diegans don't have that problem. They just go to the one game because that's all they have. And they are the only quote-unquote small market that can say that besides the Oakland Athletics. But again, the Athletics, it's, you know, that's a whole other story and a whole other ball of wax. 
So the competition is real and people have to think about how they're spending their money. And so I, I just do not think that anyone who says, oh, San Diego is a small market is, is accurate. They are that by media market standards, but the rest of it, they're a big, they're a big city team. They're a big city team and they should be treated as such. And yes, they are part of the haves and the brewers are part of the have nots. And that's baseball right now. As I said, baseball, soccer and Tony Clark pushed back on a salary cap pretty hard yesterday. Um, he's doing a disservice to a lot of teams and there will be only a few left that matter at the end of the day. Uh, that's where we're trending. And Tony Clark's okay with that because it's getting guys paid. And I, I get that. He has a job to do. But it's hurting everybody else. So that's where we're at. And it, we'll see if it comes up. We'll see if it doesn't. I'm sure it'll be a thing. I'm sure I'll have to do this whole thing again when the Brewers and Padres play. I think they play in April this year as well. So, But yeah, it's something I wanted to kind of get off my chest and something that I definitely have been preaching and want to continue to preach as I, I just think it's it's important to keep everybody on the same page when in that type of conversation. Uh, no real spring training thoughts. Uh, yeah, the Brewers uh, pitching staff got absolutely shelled uh, in both their games yesterday, uh, but I, I'm not going to worry about game two of, this, of spring training. If you are worried about spring spring training game two, like you got to seek help. Uh, we got a Bucks basketball team that's won 14 straight. You have Marquette, who's winning a Big East title. Uh, you have a Badger team that's desperately trying to get on, get in the NCAA tournament. Uh, brutal loss yesterday. Uh, Hunter Dickinson, I'm not a Hunter Dickinson fan. Uh, him hitting that shot was probably the worst person in America to hit a buzzer beater. Uh, it also might get suspended. I don't know if you guys saw him stomping Tyler Wall uh, during the game. Uh, just a complete scumbag move by him. So like, you have a lot to worry about other than Brewer Spring Training is what I'm, what I'm conveying. So just make sure you're keeping your energy in the right spots, even if you are a diehard baseball fan. All right, that does it for today's show. Uh, we will be back Wednesday. Uh, we'll come back to talk Bucks nets We'll talk uh, Marquette Butler, both playing Tuesday night. Uh, so we have a little bit of a double dip there. Uh, we'll be back Wednesday um, by myself. Uh, we're going to do uh, importance rankings for the month of March. And then uh, Mitch and I, uh, for Friday, will wrap up the week with tapping the keg. Uh, Mitch's long-awaited return. It's been a while uh, since we've heard from Mitch. So we will hear from him on uh, Friday's show. So then we'll wrap up the week and then get ready next week for tournaments, uh, conference tournaments as well as everything else and i should say so if marquette is in the semifinals on friday i am going to probably debut the first mini keg that i i'm not mini well it's just basically we're going to try to do some mini episodes uh sort of instant reactions with marquette in the semifinals if they win or lose uh so stay tuned for that uh that's something i'm percolating thinking about uh so stay tuned and be on the lookout for that show all right take care guys have yourself a good monday and we'll see you tomorrow all right on wednesday excuse me take care bye